بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم نحمده ونصلی علی رسوله الکریم اما بعد الحمدللہ tonight is the 3rd of September in the year 2023 so moving on from the subject of sacred knowledge to now the most important deeds in the believer's life. So to spend a session discussing the glorious deed of wudu. So firstly, with regards to wudu, Sayyidina Buraida radiyallahu he said, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa he wants us for what with which to perform wudu. He then performed wudu by washing his limbs once and he thereupon said this is a wudu without which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not accept the salah he said Allah then performed wudu now washing each limb twice and he thereupon said this is the wudu of the nations before you he then performed wudu, now washing each limb thrice. And he thereupon said, This is my wudu and the wudu of the prophets before me. So this is recorded in Tabarani, Imam Sayyuti Rahmatullah in his Unmudaj Al-Labib fi Khasais Al-Habib. A sample of the special characteristics of the beloved for the intelligent. Page 41 to 2 of the New English Translation. So look how interesting. Rasulullah is explaining the honor given to us. You wash the limbs once, that's basically the wood, the farid. You wash it twice, the nations before us would wash their limbs twice. So imagine, he was in the Ummah, for instance, of Musa. What was their wood? We haven't got much detail, but we know they would wash their limbs twice. So why do we wash it three times? Because the Prophet said, This is my wudu and the Prophet's before me. So what honor has been given to us? What was exclusive for the Prophets has been given to us? Are we even aware of that? Think about that. So when you wash your limbs three times, what an honor. This wasn't given to the companions of the previous prophets, let alone the Muslims. And all of a sudden, you know, the run-of-the-mill Muslim in today, he's washing his limb three times. Imam Suyuti added here, Rahmatullah, this wudu existed thus in the previous nations. And what is exclusive to us, as for the prophets, is washing the limbs thrice. As mentioned in his work, Unmudaj al-Labib fi khasais al-Habib, page 41 to 2 of the New English Translation. So note, when you wash your limbs three times, you should do show gratitude to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In fact, you feel ashamed once you know this. You think, why am I washing my limbs once? Allah Ta'ala has given me, sinful me, the blessings of emulating all the prophets, and I'm washing my limbs once. I'm washing my limbs twice. You, know, you actually start feeling ashamed, thinking, what a gift Allah has given. And I'm not taking it. 
And also think about this. The previous prophets, alayhi salatu wasalam, they washed their limbs three times. So the companion saw that. How much in their heart would they have wished to have emulated the prophets? But they were prevented, you know, allowed to wash three times. So when they saw the washing three times, to them this was for the prophets. Because nobody has that light. And when we wash our limbs three times, you don't even realize. Right? So not even with wudu, we have to learn the basics. So not like I mentioned, it was an exclusive privilege for the holy messengers and prophets to wash their noble limbs thrice. And the Muslims of old were instructed to stop at washing their limbs twice. However, such is the love that our exalted Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala has for his most beloved messenger sallallahu alayhi wa that he subhanahu wa ta'ala graciously gave to his ummah the privilege which was previously only sanctioned for his chosen messengers and prophets. Subhanallah. Think about that. So again, note, when you're feeling a bit lazy and tired and you think, I'll just wash it once. That should not even be in your system now. Even if you're struggling, I'm going to do it three times. I'm not going to leave the example of the prophets. Then in the state of purity, when one is in a state of purity, I would this is something most dear to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Our beloved messenger, he said, sallallahu alayhi wa Verily the one who is in at-tahir is just like the one who is fasting. <laughs> Subhanallah. <laughs> Verily the one who is in at-tahir, i.e. a state of purity, is then just like the one who is fasting. <laughs> this is in Deilami. And Imam Ghazali, rahmatullahi in his Ihya, volume 1, page 297, in the chapter on the mysteries of purification. So think about that. You're getting the reward of the person fasting when you're in wudu. So what do people do? As soon as they pray, they go, I don't need to have wudu now. <laughs> and the response is, yeah, you don't need to have wudu now. There's no problem with that. But don't you want to get the reward of fasting? <laughs> so you got the reward of fasting until you break your wudu. <laughs> Why is Allah Ta'ala giving you that reward? What's, what's wudu got to do with fasting? And the response to that is, Allah Ta'ala knows best. He wants to give us the rewards. So note, you should try to be in wudu as long as possible to get the reward of fasting. Not only this, but our beloved messenger also said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, maintain your tahara, that your rizq be abundant. Subhanallah. Maintain your tahara, that your rizq, your sustenance be abundant. This is in Kanzul Umal, number 44,154. Now think about that. If somebody goes to you, I can open up the, the treasures of the world to you. <laughs> All of a sudden you got his attention because the world is beloved to many people. And he goes, how do I do that then? What course do I need to do? <laughs> no, of course. And he goes, who do I need to get in contact with? Well, you just need to keep your wudu. <laughs> so he's going to say to you, what's wudu got to do with sustenance? I'm got a clue. The Prophet said it. If you keep, you maintain your tahara, your rizq will be abundant. But rizq doesn't just mean wealth. It means blessings. If you want to be blessed. So for instance, if you're struggling to have children, some of the scholars prescribe to both the husband and wife, keep in wudu. Now look how strange that would be to people. What the heck, you know, he's asking what kind of kids and he asked me to keep in wudu. <laughs> because that will increase your rizq. 
isn't tooled and part of your rizq. A person, you know, f- seems to fall ill every other day. He says, what do you suggest? Keep it wudu. Allah, Allah, look after you. So note, wudu isn't just a key to worship. People treat it like a starter. Get the puppet out of the way. Let's go for the main meal. Because what's the puppet of wudu? What's the main meal? Salat. Because wudu isn't puppet of. If you treat it like that, you misunderstood something very, very important about this deed. Indeed, if one dies whilst in wudu, which is a possibility, our beloved messenger said to his servant, Sallallahu Oh, my beloved son, keep in wudu. If you die, you pass away as a martyr. Subhanallah. Oh, my beloved son, keep in wudu. If you die, you pass away as a martyr. This is in Bayhaqi in a Shu'ab al Iman number 2783 or 3-29. So now a person goes, Well, we don't know when we're going to die. It doesn't mean that. What it means is if you just keep a habit of keeping your wudu, there's far more likelihood you're going to drop dead in wudu. But if you're only keeping wudu just for your salat and that's it, it's far less likely you're going to die in wudu unless you die in salat. One of the scholars actually said, if you die in Salat, you're a martyr. I heard this many years ago, and I thought, where did he, where's he got that from? And he's right, because you have to be in a state of purification to offer Salat. So look at, when you're offering Salat, you should breathe a sigh of relief. Why? Because if you die in that state, you're a martyr. The problems begin when you give the Taslim. Now you're out of Salat. He goes, brother, you know, now you haven't got the guarantee. He says, what are we talking about? Because I have to be in Wudu in Salat. Right? I can't pray my salat, you know, breaking wind. Astaghfirullah. So note again, these gifts that Allah Ta'ala wants to give. And how many ummatis have died in wudu? You know, people, and also the scholars even extend this. Because if you intend, like people do, they intend to offer the next prayer, like we're doing now. Are we intending to offer Isha? So even, some scholars say, if you're not in wudu, but you're intending to offer the next prayer, Allah Ta'ala will still give you this reward. Because the intention of the believer is greater than his deed. Mm-hmm. Hadith in Tabarani mentions that. Mm-hmm. Allah doesn't need you to do it. And that shows the greatness of Salat. Mm-hmm. Because we're always intending to offer the next prayer. Mm-hmm. So note again, Allah wants to give. But anybody told you these things? Mm-hmm. So note the wudu. And also, there's another fascinating report. The Hadith is in Bayhaqi in Shu'ab al-Iman. And our beloved messenger, وسلم, he said, that Allah the Almighty and Glorious told Musa wasalam, O Musa wasalam, if you fall into trouble and you were not in wudu you've only got yourself to blame O Musa wasalam, if you fall into trouble and you were not in wudu you have only got yourself to blame now what have you learned? What we learn is when you're in wudu, Allah Ta'ala has a special connection, protection applicable to you. He protects you anyway, all times, we know this. But he, ha- he shows extra care and affection to those in wudu. And if anybody could have been excused, it would have been a prophet of God. Even Musa was told that. Think about that. You think, no, they're excused. These are messengers of God. He's one of the top five. Even he was told. If you're not in wudu, now think about it. Do you think after that, he's not going to be in wudu? After that, you can expect he's always going to be in wudu. Messenger of Allah, Musa So now, why did the Prophet tell us that? Somebody could argue, well, that's a previous nation and this, that. The Prophet is telling this because it applies to us. So now, when should this be very important in terms of uh, 
our arsenal, our weapons, when you're in trouble. So for instance, you've got a court case. You know it's going to go one way or the other. Keep it wudu. Allah will protect you. Right? You need help from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Keep it wudu. Don't ask me how it works. You've only got yourself to blame. Our beloved Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would sleep, he'd sleep in wudu. And if he wasn't in wudu, our mother Aisha radiyallahu said, he'd do tayyamu. So he had you know, a, a cloud of earth next to him. He'd do tayyamu, even though water was available. He refused to sleep in some state of wudu, except in some state of wudu. Now that doesn't mean that that tayyamum, you can pray, you can read Quran, it's just to sleep. Mm-hmm. Even though there's water available. So why was he doing that? Sallallahu alayhi wa because he was teaching us, you know, concentrate on this. this is a gift Allah Ta'ala has given you. And three times jackpot. Think about that. You're following the prophets. And I think about this. If you look at all of the so-called sister religions, do they have voodoo? I've never seen a, you know, a Christian do some sort of voodoo. Only see him in the river, you know, when they get baptized. <laughs> right? They put a white jama and next minute, you know, name of a kufr, get in there, right? Probably river spitting him out. <laughs> he goes, what the hell are you dipping me in here for, astaghfirullah? So that's their voodoo. One of the scholars jokingly said, he goes, imagine, they're singing the praises of God and their backside hasn't been washed. <laughs> you know, he put it bluntly, but isn't that true? Imagine, glory, glory. So yes, pubes coming out, left, right and center, right? You know, stinking of, you know, two armpits of dari, right, beards. And he's coming out with glory, glory. Imagine, isn't it? Look how, look how grateful we should be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We can't be in that state. Mm-hmm. Right? we got a 40 day limit. we got, we got a 40 day limit. Think about that. You know, you have to get rid of the armpit hairs, this, that, trim your nails, be wudu. You can't be, you know, offering salat, breaking minna at the same time. Imagine, isn't it? They're doing, you know, cuddles and this and that. They're breaking minna at the same time. Oh, you're praising Allah. Ta'ala. What sort of a, you know, worship is this? Right? And then you got Bani Israel, I don't even know what they do. Right? You know, they're another kettle of fish. They got the Torah, they don't even touch it. They use a stick. They go, this is the Holy Scrolls. You got the blood of prophets on your hands. Right? And you're not touching. So everything's, you know, if you think about it, how lucky are we? Allah has given us the truth. And then, you know, you got Shaykh Ahmad Dida, Rahmatullah, and then he was talking to the Christians. And he says, and he mentioned passages. I don't know where the passages are. He goes, they washed their f- arms and their face and they prayed. Yeah. Yeah. He was in the Bible to this day. They washed their arms and their faces and they prayed. So he asked the audience, "When do you ever wash your arms and your faces before you pray? Mm. Imagine who, was, who were the only ones who do that? Mm. Because they fell on their faces and they prayed. Who were the only ones who fall on their faces and prayed? Mm. So we're the ones who are following the prophets and they can't even see it. Bachari. Then there's the miswak. With regards to the miswak, our beloved messenger, he said, there are three things. For me, they are obligatory. But for you, they are sunnah. With using the miswak and standing in vigil. This is recorded in Tabarani, Behaki, Imam Suyuti, Rahmatullah, in his Unmudaj al-Labib fi khasa'is al-Habib page 82 of the New English Translation so think about this Witr was obligatory for Rasulullah he had to offer the Witr he had no choice 
Here he said it's sunnah for you. Why the Hanifi say it's wajib? That's another lecture. <laughs> but the Prophet said it's sunnah, meaning it's, it's not obligatory for you. Everybody agrees to that. It's not a fard. The only difference is whether it's between the fard and the sunnah. Miswak. So imagine, I'm Ashik. Everybody, you know, blowing their own trumpet nowadays. Are you Ashik? I've never seen you use the miswak. And they look at you like that. He goes, what's that going to do with Ashik? It was fardd upon the Prophet to use miswak. <laughs> if he, you are Ashik, you'd think, how shameful it is if I can't do it, if Rasulullah had to use the miswak. And I'm not using the miswak. So the Lord is, and then he said, Tajjid, not the Ashik. You do Tajjid, no. You use miswak, no. What sort of Ashik are you? Kebab burger Ashik, right? Indeed, Abdullah ibn Abbas, he relates to our beloved messenger, said, said Allah, they said, I was commanded with the miswad to such an extent that I thought that some Quran or revelation would come down concerning it. This is in Ahmad in his Musnad 4-29, Abu Ya'la 4-218, Ibn Abi Shayba in his Al-Musannaf 1-171, Behaki 1-35, Hassan. So what did the Prophet think about this? He goes, again and again, miswak, miswak. I was expecting the Quran, I was interested, look at the word. I taught some Quran or revelation. So what is the other revelation apart from the Quran? Sunnah. sunnah. The Prophet didn't say sunnah. He said, my sunnah is revelation. I was expecting it. He goes, I was expecting the Quran, but there's no verse about the miswak. You know, you read the entire Quran, there's nothing. I was expecting a verse to be revealed. Similarly, our beloved mother, Sayyidah Umm Salama, Anhumah, she relates that her unparalleled husband, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, said, Jibreel continued advising me with the siwak until I feared for my teeth. This is in Tabarani in his Kabir 23-251, Behaki in his Sunan 7-49, Hassan Lighayri. Now think about that. In modern day wording, what he said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, I feared that I was going to harm my gums and my teeth because I'm using the miswal so much. I was given the command so much, I actually start fearing for my teeth. Overbrushing, as they say. Now think about the environment at the time. What did they know about oral hygiene? Imagine, you know, if you think, you know, we now know, you know, with the enlightened times we're living in, very important to keep your, you know, the hygiene in your mouth. And they've actually discovered it affects the heart as well. If you don't look after your teeth and your oral hygiene, it actually has an impact on the heart. And there's actually a hadith which mentions that as well. So well ahead of his time, they had to reinvent the, you know, the toothbrush. But the Prophet was saying, I was told so much. People ask, when should I use the miswak? How many times they asked me that question? The Prophet said, I was fearing for my teeth. So he was actually telling every time I'm using the miswak. In fact, if you could spend a day, a precious day with the Prophet you'd see him just using miswak probably all day. <laughs> imagine, did you think that when you imagine the Prophet he'd be just, you know, miswak before the talk, miswak as he gets up, miswak when he enters the dwelling, miswak when he retires to sleep, miswak when he wakes up, miswak in wudu, miswak in salat. And then you got Ashik with burger in his mouth. Right? Imagine him. Similarly, our beloved mother Aisha, she relates that her exalted and most honored husband said, I continuously use the siwak until I feared it would cause my teeth to fall out. 
This is in Tabarani in his Ausat number 6526 or 6-326. Behaki in his Sunan Al-Qubra 7-49 to 50. Hafiz ibn Hajar Askalani in his At-Talkhisul Habir 1-67. So not the wording slightly different. I feared for my team. Now he's saying I feared they'll fall out using it so much. So now think about this. Now just look at the science behind this. You know, leave the revelation. Is it in line with science? Absolutely. You have to brush. They even say it, the dentist minimum twice a day. They say that. And look how shameful it is to for Muslims to hear that. Why am I waiting for a guy who doesn't even know how to clean his backside to tell me about my cleaning my teeth? And then the second thing to ask, what am I doing in a dentist? <laughs> Have you ever come across a report where a sahaba had toothache? <laughs> right? Because once, once you start doing that, your teeth are fine. You, you die with a full set of teeth. Now people die with false teeth. You could take false teeth out before you bury it. <laughs> oh dear. And then somebody asked the scholars, what do you do with the false teeth? He could just uh, put them in bed. <laughs> he was expecting him to say, bury it. It was not his teeth, is it? You know, you're not part of your body, is it? You know, it's just some plastic that, you know. Goes, no, no, no. He goes, oh, bury it. Then they put it in. Maybe it'll help him. Astaghfirullah. And one last report in Abu Dawood number 48, Ahmad in his Musnad 5-225, Mishkat number 426. Sayyidina Abdullah ibn Hanzala ibn Abu Amr al-Ghasil radiyallahu anhu. He read, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was commanded to make wudu for every salah, whether his wudu was intact or not. Stop in the report. Think about that. He had to make wudu for every salat. He had no choice. Go back to the ashik. They don't even bother asking me. <laughs> Imagine any, what sort of ashiks are these? Sunnahs alien to <laughs> You know, the ashik should be drenched in sunnah. Do you do wudu for every salat? No. Do you use miswak? No. Do you pray tajid? No. But I'm ashik, right? Then the, then the sahaba said, that proved difficult for the Rasulullah. So the Allah said, he was then commanded to use the miswak before every salah. As a result, the making of wudu was set aside unless his wudu was nullified. So this is a very important hadith because he's explaining something. He had to do wudu for every salah. It wasn't a case of I have to do wudu. He had to make wudu. But Allah in his kindness, he took that away, made it easy for the Prophet. But there was a condition. He was commanded to use the miswak before every salah. Meaning, you don't need to do wudu for every salat now. But to replace that, before you start your salah, you've got to use the miswak. Then the hadith says, making of wudu was set aside unless his wudu was nullified. Like we did for the rest of us. So Sheikh Nawab Muhammad Qutbuddin Khan Dehlawi in Mazari Ihaq number 426, he explained, this hadith emphasizes the excellence of miswak. This is why miswak replaced the farad wudu. Your fruit cake, what's it replaced? Imagine somebody goes to you, something's replaced the farad wudu. Whatever it is, for anything to replace a farad, it must be another farad. 
No. Something that's not fardad has replaced the fardad. Yeah. What's that? Miswak. Miswak replaced the wajib wudu of Rasulullah. So there's a clue within the text how great this deed is. How sad it is therefore that despite this gracious concession, one still does not use a miswak in one's wudu or even before the salat itself. And this is leaving aside the rewards for such a noble act. The sunnah becomes strange. You know, we get use a miswak before salat. One brother goes to me, you shouldn't do that. I'm thinking to myself, you know what, maybe I've missed something here. And then, then I asked him after, I was, why do you, he goes, oh, you, you might bleed. <laughs> and then I goes, but bleeding doesn't break my wudu. And they looked at me like that. Because you know, I was humbly, right? And then I thought, all oh, right. But then I said, why are you using logic when the text is there? Mm. So if you've got like, you know, gingivitis and you, you, your gums always are bleeding, you know, the logic is good. <laughs> you use a miswa, you might end up breaking your wudu. So the response is, why have you left your tea in such a state that even putting a miswak on it causes it to bleed? So again, you know, this is something else, but to say don't do it, it's like saying don't do what the Prophet told you to do. And also, another secret of the miswak to finish. What was the last deed of Rasulullah? Miswak. Was it his own miswak? No. Oh, no, so he had it was then he had. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. Whose miswak was it? I'll give you a clue. Another honor for Abu Bakr. His son, Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr. So the Prophet looked and look how twitching it was. Why was Abdul Rahman ibn Abu Bakr visibly showing a miswak? Think about that. Was that just by chance it happened? Because he knew the Prophet loved the miswak. So some scholars actually say he, he was hoping that the Prophet would take it from him. And his wish was fulfilled. Imagine. So then he looked. And then Aisha, the Ilanka, she said, Ya Rasulullah, do you want the miswak? And then he nodded. And then she goes, I took... <laughs> Aisha, you know, obviously, she didn't want to give the rewards to anybody else. Because I took my brother's miswak and then I softened it. Why? Because obviously maybe it was, you know, fresh miswak. And then I put it into the Prophet's hand and I goes, I used it on his blessed teeth. And shortly thereafter, he passed away. And then she goes, one of the unique honors Allah gave me was my, his saliva mixed with mine before he left the world. So that's the hadith in Sayyid Bukhari. Somebody goes, MashaAllah. There's a secret here. Hafiz Mullah Ali Qari said in his commentary of Mishkat, Mirkat, he said that if you regularly use the miswak, you will die with Iman. It's a guarantee. Why? Because Allah would not allow his beloved to do something, the very last deed, if he's not going to be so blessed. But notice, he was always using the miswak. So Allah obviously was teaching you. So it's actually a protection for your entire Iman. Another question people ask, can I use the toothbrush with the intention of miswak? There's no harm. So when you're brushing your teeth, somebody goes, look, I'm brushing my teeth, but can I just make intention of miswak? Yeah, no problem, make intention. Even if it's not accepted, at least you made intention, isn't it? Somebody, another brother goes, can I put toothpaste on my miswak? I goes, 
Og så stikter det sådan Next minute Colgate You know Hey, imagine just before Salat Colgate comes out I'm gonna minute what's happening here And you get control of water as well So obviously just stick to what the Prophet told us So all I mentioned today Was now talking about the glorious deed of wudu And such a neglected deed sad And then talking about the blessed deed of miswak Are there any questions you like to ask?